0: Don't you go ahead and take your seat? Can we give it up for the worship team? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is Jeremiah Ziegler, for those of you who don't know me. I've got quite a long history with this place. Um, this is actually the church that I was saved in about 14 years ago, which is, uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, you know, last night I was just uh, praying and preparing, and I couldn't help but get a little bit emotional. I remember uh, being a 14-year-old boy, uh, broken, in a, lot of, in a lot of hurt and, and uh, turmoil. I didn't have purpose. I didn't have direction in my life. Uh, my dad had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And he decided, hey, we're going to go to church. And I was really good at making fun of church as a kid. I was was really good at it. The whole Christianity thing didn't make sense to me at the time. Uh, But I remember walking through those very doors back there on a Sunday morning. And walking into a service where people said hello to us, even though I looked funny, I had braces at the time. <laughs> and it felt weird because I was intimidated. I was uh, nervous. I was scared. And uh, I just remember looking over and seeing my dad do something that I had never seen him do before. Uh, in worship, he was, he was crying. And I was very close with my dad growing up very, very close. I didn't have much of a motherly presence in my life until later on in my life. So my dad was everything to me. And I looked over and I saw a different dad that day. And I figured we would try, you know, a few churches. That's kind of what you do, I guess, when you're looking for a church. Is like you do this thing called church shopping, which I'm not sure where that's at in the Bible, but I guess it's just what you do. So we were, uh, yeah, we, we left we walked out the doors after service that day. I heard a great message from Pastor Derek. And I'll never forget, we were walking, we were walking to our car, and I hear this voice calling my name. It wasn't God. Everyone calm down. So said, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. And this, this girl was running out after me. And I turned around, and it was a girl that I had remembered from middle school, I knew her from school, and she said, Jeremiah, you, you've, you've got to come to youth group this Saturday, and I was like, all right, it's a date, let's do this, and that girl is now my wife, It's was a good first date, good first date, um, But man, I just, I just remember thinking last night, the legacy that this, this church has in this community. Um, I'm so thankful for your pastor who has worn so many different hats in my life and worn them so well as my pastor, as a spiritual father, as a father-in-law, as a, as a grandfather to my three children. And I'm just thankful to be here. I don't take this opportunity lightly. And, uh, it's a huge honor. I told, I told Pastor Derek, we, my wife and I and our three kids, we just moved back uh, from the South. We were there for about five years, so we were, we were in, uh, yeah, it was very much an exodus. Uh, if, you ever, if you ever wanna know, uh, you know why you should get close to the Lord and go to heaven, just go to Texas for two years. Because you'll know what hell is like. Um, I love Texas, I'm sorry if anyone's from Texas. You should go back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hold on. Calm down, Jeremiah. It's okay. Um, but I am. I'm extremely grateful for this place and what it's meant for me in my life and my family's life. I, I would not be, I mean, Lord knows where I would be. And, and I grew up in the youth group here, had the, had the chance to be the youth pastor for, for some years when I was younger. And uh, we're we're very excited to be back. So when we moved back, I said, "Hey, Pastor Derek, if there's ever an opportunity where I can share a word, I, I would love to uh, I would love to come and do that." And uh, and so I'm honored to be with you today. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Now I I do want to encourage you. You've got two options. You can sit there and look at me skeptically, as many of you are doing right now. <laughs> or you can lean into what God has to say today. I, I guarantee you, my prayer has not been to impress you. It hasn't even actually been to Tickle your ears or get a lot of amens. My prayer has been that this word this morning would actually do something in your heart and that it would be from God and not me. And so, if you believe in the power of the church and what God does through his people, maybe I can convince you that this word is from the Lord this morning. So, if you would open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to get right into it. I want to preach a message this morning called A New Thing. A New Thing. Isaiah 43:18 says, "Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, a new, "A new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert." Now it's important for us to understand exactly what's going on here in this context. God's people are going through a unique season in their relationship with the world and their relationship with God and they are currently in exile. They are currently not necessarily their own nation. They are away from their homeland. They are separated. They've been torn apart. They've sinned. They've forsaken God and they've fallen away from God. And what we see here is the prophet Isaiah has a responsibility to speak life into God's people because God wants to do a new thing in them and through them in the world. Now, it's a beautiful picture because I don't know if you know this, but sometimes the Old Testament can be confusing. Sometimes it can feel like it's not relevant. But the beautiful thing about the Old Testament is it reveals to us the heart of God because the same God that was calling his people out of exile thousands of years ago is the same God that is calling us to a new thing today, in 2022. So while we don't live or exist in the old covenant, we operate in a new covenant. But in that, in what Jesus has done for us on the cross, when you and I place our faith in Jesus, the book of Romans tells us that we are adopted into the family of God. So we may not be Jewish, but we have the opportunity to be God's people here and today so we can draw from the truths of God's nature in Isaiah and relate them to what God is wanting to do today. And God says, I wanna do a new thing. Say a new new thing. You know, God is a God of the new. I love this time of year, there's so much new going on. Everybody know what I'm talking about? There's a new football season, right? New opportunity for the Broncos. Come on, everybody. There's a new school year, right? Pumpkin spice is back out. I I gave God some pumpkin spice praise this morning, everybody. That was wonderful. But God is a God of the new. In fact, 2 Corinthians tells us that if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. In other words, the old has passed away and the new has come. We don't just see it in the Old Testament. We don't just see God calling his people time and time again to something new, to something fresh. The Bible tells us that we are called to go from glory to glory. In other words, you're not called to stay in the same place that you were, but God has something new for you. But what I found is that for some reason, American culture has a way of lulling us to sleep in our faith and paralyzing us and putting our feet in concrete when it comes to our faith. And what we're doing is we're existing on yesterday's miracle when in fact God is not done doing something new, He's not dead. He hasn't stopped calling us out of things to be more like Christ. I feel like I have to convince some people that God wants to do something new in your life. It is the nature of God. He knows nothing other than to call you to something new and to something fresh. The Bible says that when we repent and we, when we give our sins over to God, he removes them as far as the east is from the west. I don't know if anyone's believing me yet that God is a God of the new. I know that God's a God of the new because the Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl this year. We need all the help we can get. That's right. Amen. But the problem with the new is that it's not old. And old old is nice. Old is comfortable. Old is familiar. Old is easy. It doesn't require much of you. Old is great. I know old. I'm best friends with old. But new is a little bit foreign. It's scary, but man, God is a God of the new. And the reason why Isaiah had to say this to his people was because they were looking backwards to what God had done in the past. Specifically, if you read earlier in the chapter, we see that Isaiah is talking about how God had called his people out of Egypt, how he had split the Red Sea and how he had delivered them from the Egyptians. But what Isaiah is saying is, hey, if you look and see, your identity is not what happened to them hundreds of years ago. But I'm about to do the same thing and an even more powerful thing through you if you'll let me. And so I felt called today to help us understand the new thing that God wants to do in your life. And look, only you know what that thing is. But I am convinced that there are too many Christians that are living off of yesterday's manna. (laughs) Let me explain what I mean. In the wilderness, God provided for his people like he always did, even though they didn't deserve it. They had no food. God said, Look, I've got a solution. I'm going to give you brand new bread each and every day. I've only got one requirement don't store up the bread because I'm going to give you fresh bread in the morning. And every morning, every time that earth does a a complete cycle, I love you so much that there's going to be fresh bread for you. But just like the Israelites do, and just like we do most of the time, we hang on and we cling on to things that God has done in the past. And we don't make space for what God wants to do now. And so they, they, of course, they save some of the bread, right? I just need a little savings account, God. It's going to be okay. And they wake up, and there's worms all over it, and it's gross. And God says, hey, whoa, 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 what's up? <laughs> I, thought it, I thought I called you to new bread. This morning, I just want to encourage you. It's, it's time to put down the old bread. And it's time to trust God and who he is and who his character is and what his nature is and to make ourselves available for what he wants to do. But that requires us to have right relationship with three things, and this is what I wanna talk to you about this morning, okay? Three things. If you're taking notes, you're going to heaven, okay? (laughs) Number one. (laughs) That's a preacher joke, I didn't come up with that one. (laughs) We've gotta have right relationship with our past, our present, and our future our past, our present, and our future. And I'm not talking about the relationship that the world has with the past, the present, and the future, we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm talking about what the word of God says, the past, the present, and the future should look like for us. When was the last time you thought about your relationship with your past, your present, and your future? You know they have personalities, right? God has ordained time, and it's important that we think about our relationship to time. Let's start with the past. If you're taking notes, write this down. The past should be a teacher, not a spouse. In other words, you should learn from it, but not live with it. Isaiah says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. I had to wrestle with this passage because this is, this is, I mean, when you read this at face value, it doesn't actually line up with some of the other stuff that God tells us to do. Because God actually, I believe, says that one of the spiritual disciplines we're called to have is, is remembering what God has done in our life. It's important. We see it time and time again. I mean, there's a reason we have a Bible that's 2,000 years old, right? So that we can remember what has happened before us. But the problem was that the Israelites at the time, the people of God, their memory wasn't serving to learn from something. They were living in the memory of the past. And so many of us today, we are living in the past. We are living in the shame and the guilt of the past. Maybe for you, that's, that's, a, that's a sin or an addiction that you had in your past that God has freed you from but you still find it present in your life today. Maybe it's something that happened to you. For me, I went through a lot as a kid, and I carried that with me for years and years and years. And I'm not just talking about before I got saved. (laughs) I'm talking about after I got saved. Because salvation happens in a moment through grace, but sanctification, us becoming more like Christ, is a journey that we will be on for the rest of our lives. And most of us have stopped becoming sanctified and allowing God to sanctify us because we have our feet in concrete and we're saying, God, you've gone too far. You can't have that part of my life. And it's not that we're even making that conscious decision. But it's that God wants to free you from the things in your past. The shame and the guilt of the past were not yours to carry. The reason I know that is because Jesus said, I will carry that on the cross for you if you'll let me. See, some of us are so afraid to dig into our past because we're afraid of what we'll find. But I believe that God is telling us today, hey, when it comes to your shame and guilt, remember not the former things of old. Remember, Don't remember the things of the past because you may have done that, but that's not who you are. Listen to me, church. You may have done that. That may have happened to you, but it's not who you are. Your identity is not found in the past. Your identity is found in what Christ has done for you. And if we could get that as a church, as the people of God, can you imagine the amount of love that the people around us would feel? The reason that we don't love like Christ is because we are carrying things that Christ was meant to carry. I love this uh, verse in Philippians. It's, It's the Apostle Paul talking. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Man, if anyone had a reason to feel guilty about his past, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, this guy was a Christian killer Once named Saul, I mean his his sole job, his sole mission, the thing that he was passionate about was to find these Christians that were professing Christ as the son of God and to kill them. Now, I don't want to compare my old life to Paul's, but (laughs) he's a lot worse than I was, okay? And if Jesus could forgive him, and if his new mindset could be, man, I'm forgetting what is behind. That is not who I am anymore. Come on, somebody needs to hear this today. That thing is not who you were anymore. It's not who you are. And if we're going to have right relationship with our past, we cannot let it live with us. We can learn from it. We can say, "Man, that was, man, that led me down a that led me down a bad path." And I can learn from it, and I can set boundaries based off of it, and I can heal from it, and I can Protect myself and trust in God, but I'm not carrying that thing with me. You know, the Israelites, another another great story of when they walk into the promised land, they're crossing the Jordan River. You may remember this. And God tells them to take 12 stones. He says, pick up 12 stones from the river and I want you to take them with you. He says, I want you to take them with you so that you'll remember what I did. But there's a key phrase in that passage that's so important for us. He didn't say, take them with you and carry them for the rest of your life. He said, I want you to take them with you, and wherever you lay your head down, I want you to lay it down. See, so many of us, we've got our hands full. Oh, please don't be too heavy. And we've got these stones from the river. And we're going on in life. And God's like, hey, lay, lay that down. Can you lay that down? like, no, I got (laughs) it. God, I'm trying, oh, the new thing you have for me is over here, but I've also got this thing that I'm holding on to. And God says, no, 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 I need you to lay it down. You wanna know why? Because I haven't designed you to have the capacity to hold on to your past and be effective in your present. I haven't designed you that way. It's the reason that I sent Jesus so that in your weakness, you would be made strong through Christ. It's time for us to let go of the past. But there's a second part of the past that's equally as dangerous I want to warn you about. It's this thing called nostalgia. Now, us Bronco fans are real good at this. It's the good old days. You guys remember the good old days? Back before cell phones and vehicles and electric cars. Electric cars are great I think I don't know I don't have one the good old days you know what I'm talking about I feel like older people love to talk about the good old days this isn't a slam it's not a slam okay everyone just calm down I'm just telling you about like my grandparents back in my day back in my day here's the problem with back in your day if you wanted to talk to somebody you had to send a pigeon If you wanted to go to school, you had to walk two miles up a hill in the snow. See, back in the the good old days, what you don't realize with your kids when they were young, and oh, they were so cute, they were so cute, is your diaper budget was $5 million a year. And you didn't get any sleep at night. See, we don't remember those things about the good old days. The good old days. Our friends, the Israelites, once again, are, they're in the wilderness, and they're getting tired of the bread that God has sent them. And it's the funniest thing to me, because you look at this, and you're like, wow, these guys are mm, these guys are tough. These guys are rough. And they go, to, they go to Moses and Aaron, and they say, look, okay, I'm not exactly sure why you delivered us from slavery, because at least back in Egypt, we had food that we could eat. And I just, I look at these guys and I'm like, what are you talking about? You were working all day in the heat. God delivers you out of Egypt, promises you a land. You're almost there. You're almost to the new thing. God has given you food. He's given you water. He's given you a cloud in the sky. He's directing you every step. But all you remember was the food, even though you were eating it with chains on. The good old days weren't that great, everybody. See, we've got to understand that God hasn't designed us to go backwards. And there, there's a reason I'm spending so much time on this, on this first point about the past because, man, the past is, is a liar. We don't ever remember the past for the way it was. So we were, uh, we were moving from Texas to Colorado. God was delivering us out of slavery into the <laughs> promised land. And so we have two cars. So Danielle was driving the van, and I had my car, but we also had our house full of stuff. So I rented this 20 foot long U Haul truck, right? And behind it, you can tow a, your, your car behind it. You guys know this, right? Okay. You probably know better than I do, for sure. So I'm driving this U-Haul truck, you know, kind of up country, if you will. And we're like, hey, we're hungry. We're going to stop at Pizza Hut, right? So we meet at the Pizza Hut, okay? Now, just mind you, I'm driving a 20-foot truck with a car behind it, and I'm not Texan, okay? So I wasn't raised how to pull a trailer, everybody. So if you picture, like, a city boy pulling a trailer in a truck, and that's their competency level, this is me, okay, I'm like way down here. So we get done eating, and we really hadn't thought through the eating because we also got a dog about two weeks before, and we are like, oh, wow, we can't bring the dog inside. And of course, it's Texas, so it's like 500 degrees outside. So I'm eating in our van a pizza with a dog in the passenger seat. It's like waving at people as they walk by. Hey, this isn't what it looks like, Okay. I can't control myself. But we're getting ready to leave and I I realize that I've made a grave mistake. The parking lot is pretty small, (laughs) okay. Um, Needless to say, I end up hitting the roof of the Pizza Hut with the 20 foot U-Haul trailer. Uh, Not lightly either, no. I pull through, I try to back up first, and then I pull through, and the U-Haul was too big. I hit the hut. Like, I hit the hut, right? I remember returning the U-Haul, and the guy's like, what happened? I was like, I, I hit the hut. He was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I hit the hut, like the pizza hut. And he was like, oh, God, oh, God. Anyway, turning this whole long thing but what he told me, he said, how did it happen? I said, well, I was trying to back up and the, and the trailer kind of got jackknifed and I couldn't figure out how to, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And he said, well, you know, those trailers aren't like, you're not supposed to reverse those, right? And I was like, it would have been nice to know. And he's like, it's, it's right there in the paperwork that we gave you. I'm like, yeah, because people read that, man. Come on. But I think it's a valuable lesson for us because you and I were not designed to go backwards. And when you try to go backwards, it'll put you in a terrible position and you'll cause damage, you'll cause pain. Man, if the, if the people of God could just understand that, hey, when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. You weren't called to live in the flesh, you were called to walk in the spirit according to Romans chapter eight. Like God has, a, God has a greater plan for you than just all the old habits of your life. And I know, I know it's hard, and I'm not saying you have to do it in your own strength. But, man, if we could take steps towards the new that God has for us, he'd be willing to do something great. Let's talk about the present. Number two, the present. Your present should be a living room, not an escape room. In other words, we're called to rest in the present, not rush through it. If I'm honest with you, this is something I really struggle with. I'm a planner. Anybody else a planner in here? You got a plan for your backup plans, backup plan? Amen. Glory to God. So be it the season that we're in, right now I'm working in Denver. I'm a a school chaplain at at a school up in Denver. It's, It's phenomenal. God has called us there. It's amazing. But right now we're living with my parents, okay? So it's me, my wife, our three kids, and I find myself getting a little restless. Okay, and if you, if you can't relate, you've clearly never lived with parents. I love my parents, they're phenomenal, and it is a blessing that we're able to stay there, absolutely, but if I'm not careful, I will find myself thinking so much about the future and trying to get out, of, I just wanna get out of this season because the next season is gonna be phenomenal. When we have our own house, then I'll be happy. When when the the kids are in their sports program, they'll be happy, right? I remember uh, doing an escape room with Danielle one time. You remember this? Yeah. I'm a pretty competitive person, so I was like, no big deal, we're going to break the record, right? Escape room, we're going to break the record. Didn't even get out in an hour, everybody. But the the moment you get in an escape room, your whole entire goal is to get out. I think that God is calling us as a people to be fully present and engaged where our feet are. And if we're consumed with the past or worried about the future, we are missing moments that God would have for us right now in the present. And the problem is, is that we live in a society that is moving so fast. I mean, my schedule is packed full, just packed full. And I'm convinced that the reason that we're moving so fast and the reason that we don't slow down is because we're so afraid what we'll find if we do slow down. We're so afraid of the thoughts that will happen if we're not busy and consumed with life around us. We're so afraid what it will look like if we look our spouse in the face and realize, man, I haven't had a deep conversation with that person in a long time. So we do, we pack our schedule, we fill our schedule, our pace is insane, and The reason it's so fast is because we're running from a past that we can't change and we're running to a future that we can't control. (laughs) And so God is saying, man, what I want to do through you is happening right now. That's why Isaiah says, do you not perceive it? What's interesting about that word perceive is that it's the Hebrew word "yada," And that word is most of the time used in the Old Testament through the Psalms It's translated as the word meditate. And so what Isaiah is telling the people of God is, do you not realize? Do you not take the time to recognize? Do you not take the time to be in God's presence every day to see what he is already doing? He doesn't say, I'm going to do a new thing in the future. He says, behold, I am already doing a new thing. Do you not recognize that it's already happening in your life? But the challenge for us is to slow down. We've got to slow down. So how do we make our present this living room where we can rest and be present? Where your kids don't feel like your phone is more important than they are. Where the people that you come across don't feel like they're a nuisance but they feel like you're engaged with them. I wanna give you three things really quick. Number one is gratitude gratitude. Gratitude is a wonderful antidote to anxiety, everybody. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our minds and our hearts are under attack, everybody, by Ford Motor Credit. We all want the next car. We all want the next thing. We gotta keep up with the Joneses. And so our schedule gets filled with things that we, we can't really control. See, anxiety is being worried about something that you don't have yet. A peace, a thing, certainty. But gratitude is being thankful for what you have right now. So if you find yourself anxious, And as I have found myself anxious in this season, I find myself slowing down and saying, God, I am so grateful that I have a roof over my head. (laughs) God, I am so grateful that I have grandparents who will pick up the kids off the bus after school. What a blessing that is. God, I am so grateful that even though my car is breaking down because Kia's suck, (laughs) I still have a car. Man, God, I'm so grateful for a wife who loves me and who will pray over me before my messages. For a wife who takes care of her kids and loves them so well. So, so when we don't get along and, and everything doesn't agree, I, I slow myself down and I say, God, I thank you for my wife. I'm thankful for her. Gratitude will certainly slow you down. The second thing is margin. We were never called to live this busy schedule that's just packed. The reason I know that is because most of the ministry that Jesus did was on his way to something else. There's a story in the book of Mark and Matthew. Jesus is going to a guy named Jairus' house to heal his son. And the Bible says that on the way, a crowd had gathered around him. And this woman, (laughs) this desperate woman, for something new in her life. Finds a way to sneak through the crowd and just touches the, the hem of Jesus' garment. Now, the great, great thing is she got healed in the moment. But most, most of us would have been like, I gotta head to Jairus' house. This guy's dying. But Jesus, the Bible says that he stopped. Ah, stop. Mm. He said, who, t- who touched me? Hey, if your Savior can take the time to stop, don't you think that you should too? It wasn't that what he was going to wasn't important. It's just that the moment was more important. What was happening right there in the moment was more pressing. Jesus was on his way to Galilee when he ministered to the woman at the well, he wasn't going to the well. Peter and John were on their way to the temple when they healed the man sitting at the gate crying out. I would dare to say that the majority of the opportunities that God is going to give you are going to happen on the way to something else. On the way to soccer practice. On the way to work. On the way to your next meeting. And what what would happen if we slowed down enough to hear what God wanted to do through us? Say, hey, that, that coworker of yours needs some prayer. They need to hear about the love of Jesus. Hey, your, your kids on the way to soccer practice can hear about the love that God has for them. As I know life is moving fast, but it's up to us to create margin to say, God, you can do whatever you wanna do. And I'm not just talking about in your schedule. I'm talking about with your treasure as well. Daniel and I have this little, little mark in our budget. It's not much, but it allows us to bless people when we feel like God is calling us to be generous. We couldn't, we would not be able to do that if we weren't intentional about creating margin in our budget, we'd be too stressed. We'd be too stressed. Oh, I can't give that away because I've gotta pay the electric bill. No, we've made space for it. We've made space to give to God because it's the most important thing. I just wanna encourage you to make some margin in your life. And the last thing is devotion. We can't live off of yesterday's bread. God has something fresh that He wants to say right now in your life today. Each and every morning, He has designed us to wake up and need Him, to rely on Him, for it not to be an accessory to our life, but the main thing, to be the source of life. James 4 8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. He's saying, Move on from the past. Move on from the past. And his promise to us is that, look, you may not know how to do it. You may not feel confident in it. But if your heart will just draw near to me, if you'll give the effort, I will meet you in that place. Anybody watch The Office in here? Oh, so you guys are still out there. Uh, <laughs> I love this quote from Andy Bernard. It makes me cry every time I see it, every time I watch it. It's it's in either the second to last episode or last episode. He says, "I wish there was a way to know that you were in the good old days before you left them." Man, if we were if we were present in every situation in every dinner table conversation, man. I just feel like we would be able to love people so well. Jesus was never too busy. The last thing I want to uh, talk about before I, before I pray and we dismiss today is our future. I just put it this way, that our future should be in God's hands, not our own. I love the way that uh, the book of Isaiah says it because it says, I will make a way. I will make a way. The truth is that you don't have to produce the new thing. Like you're not gonna get to a point where you work hard enough or do enough good to obtain this new thing that God has for you. Your only job is to perceive it. And what I find so often is that we have such a stranglehold on our plans and our future that we don't make space for God to do something beyond what we could do in our own strength. So we literally limit ourselves to what you and I can do. And the problem with what you and I are capable of is it's nothing compared to what God is capable of. So you could plan your future, you can have vision for your future as long as you don't possess it. And, and my heart and my my advice to you today would, would be to make your future in clay and not concrete. <laughs> to be willing to move and be moldable to what God wants to do in your life. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord is the one who establishes his steps. Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Most of the time, you know, the future is so interesting because we feel like it's out of our control, it's out of our reach. So we, we put in every effort necessary to grab onto. And the future is fleeting. And I would dare to say the future was even meant to be out of your reach for a reason. And the reason that God put it just out of your reach is because he wants you to lean on him. He wants you to say, God, you can do whatever you want with my life. I'm listening to your heart, and this is where I think you're taking me. But, God, if you shift, I'm willing to go wherever. This this happened for us in Texas. I mean, we thought we were going to be at that church for a long time. God did some very amazing things. I was a youth pastor at a church in Texas, and, I mean, the youth ministry exploded. Our Our church doubled through COVID, which COVID never really happened in Texas, I guess, but, I mean, things were going well. We had a house, we had a brand new golden doodle. Shout out to Russ, aptly named. It just felt like, man, it just felt like life was right. Like, man, I could could retire here. kids were in a great school. We had friends. They were texting, but they were friends. And God said, no, uh, I want to do a new thing in your life. I didn't know what it looked like. In fact, we we actually sold our house before I ever got a job, which is just, I guess, the way we do things. It's a pattern. I don't know. But I know what I heard it was scary, it didn't make much sense. I gotta tell you, people were really asking us like, hey, have you, are you okay, midlife crisis? I'm like, I'm 28, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna live older than 56. That math doesn't work out. But man, I, I'm just committed to living a life and I don't do this perfectly. Obviously, I've shared with you some of my shortcomings today. Where I want God to be the one to direct my path, not myself. See, our, our views are so limited. I mean, our scope is so narrow. God sees it all, I just want to encourage you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would, I want to encourage you today that not only does God hold your future, but his His plan for your future is so much greater than what you are thinking right now. The Bible says that his thoughts are greater than our our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. I just want to encourage the person in here who's hanging on to the past and say, man, I I don't know how to be free from this addiction or I don't know how to walk out of this thing or man, this, this thought pattern in my life, it's just consuming me. Maybe it was a failed marriage that you're still feeling guilty about or it could be anything. I just want to encourage you today that the God that we serve, the same God that called his people time and time again, in their mess, in their muck, in their mire to something greater, to something that they didn't deserve is the same God who is here today. If you're in that place and you're saying, you know, Jeremiah, I'm, I've got a death grip on my future. Or man, I've still got hooks in my heart from my past. I just wanna pray with you real quick. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who is calling us to something new that you're a God who doesn't keep records of our wrongs, but you remove our transgressions as far as the East is from the West when we step into repentance and live a life that you've called us to. So God, I pray that your grace would flow in this place today. Every heart, every life, every mind, every plan, every budget, every schedule, God, that we would just give it over to you. And the things that we are carrying, the things that we are hanging on to, God, that you would give us the strength and the courage to lay them down at the foot of the cross so that we can have the capacity to hold what you want to do in our life. God, may we never settle for the American dream. God, may we never settle for just enough. May we never settle just, just for lukewarm Christianity. But God, may you light a fire on the inside of us. God, there are people around us every day that are going to hell. God, may we be the agents of change that you use in your strength, in your giftings to reach the people around us who need it the most, to love the people around us who are not getting love from any other source, God. I pray for my friends today, Lord, that you would bless them abundantly in every way. And as we go forth from this place, God, I pray that we would leave change, that we would evaluate what you're doing in our lives, that we would work to perceive it, God. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, can we give it up for what God is doing in this church and in this place? Again, it is an honor to be with you guys. I hope that you guys enjoy your Sunday. You guys are dismissed, and we love you.